0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, December 14th. I'm Tom Bevin, co-founder and president of RCP.
1: And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning, Carl. Well, it's uh, almost like two weeks before Christmas. Have you got your shopping finished done? Uh,
0: <laughs> Tom? <laughs> the proper question is, have you started your shopping? <laughs> That's the question. Now, we're uh, plodding along. So about more than halfway done, but but not there yet. How about you? Yeah, I'm all done.
1: Everything's under the tree. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm looking for a warm it's day to go
0: golfing. Unlike you, Carl. <laughs> it's all fun. right, listen, let's talk about what's in the news. We've got two stories. Number one, uh, the New York Times wrote a story, John Martin and Alex Burns wrote a story the other day about Democrats being behind Joe Biden and not really having a plan B and running through a list of folks who are potentially interested and could be part of a uh, primary uh, if there is, if Biden doesn't run. Now, he says he's running. Gensaki reaffirmed that at the podium earlier this week. Um, but what do you make of this, Carl? I mean, it was, it's, there are a lot of names on the list. Uh, it's an awful early for this parlor game to be going on. There was a poll out earlier this week showing that only 37% of Democrats want Biden on the ticket uh, in 2024. That's a, that's kind of a shocking number. What do you make of all this?
1: Well, for some reason, the party's panicking already. And, it's you know, Jen Psaki says what she has to say from the White House podium. No first term president in his first, still in his first year in office, pronounces himself a lame duck. He would be, you know, utterly ineffectual on Capitol Hill if he did so. But but I, I don't quite get it. You know, his poll numbers are not that bad, Tom. You and I have been through them. I think they're better than Donald Trump's were at this point. And they're about where Reagan's were. I mean, and Reagan won second term in a landslide. So I don't quite get the source of the
0: panic. His, his approval rating has actually, I tweeted about this this morning, uh, his low was 41.3 in our real clear politics average on November 22nd. So three weeks and a day later, uh, he's back up to 43%. So he's had a bit of a rebound well, over the last his, three that's weeks. That's his
1: job approval rating.
0: That's, that's every, his job approval rating. Every so, president gets asked the same question. So he's right, right where right. he should be, right? Well, I mean, he's it's a bit low from where he wants to be, but but getting better than it was. I mean, the bottom sort of you know didn't fall completely out. But the other uh, story that's in the news, Carl, which I think helps explain the panic, is we have some new inflation numbers out this morning. Two stories we have on Real Clear Politics. Number one, the wholesale price index was up. Uh, the fastest pace on record this November versus last November. And an additional story, 59% of small businesses in America had to raise the prices of their products and services last month. Uh, That was the most uh, since 1978. So while there are some positive numbers that the Biden administration tries to spin on the economy, a lower unemployment rate, lower jobless claims, etc., the big number the number that really has people freaked out is is skyrocketing inflation doesn't seem to be it's not transitory as the administration told us doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon and it's really uh you know with gas prices and food prices and all that has people feeling very anxious and uncomfortable and uncertain about the future and they're taking it out on Biden i think that's why Democrats are are in the panic that they're in, despite the fact he's not, historically speaking, in a terrible place.
1: Well, you know, presidents don't cause inflation. Um, but, uh, you know, there's an asterisk behind that statement, though. But you shouldn't probably be proposing an unprecedented level of new federal spending uh, at, at this time. He's stuck with that uh, build it back better legislation. Uh, you know, I think the administration will take some scaling to Back on it, they already have maybe some more that Joe Manchin's insisting on. Uh, Manchin's saving them de- Democrats from themselves, if you ask me. But look, in the late seventies, today's millennial voters and certainly you know Zoomers don't have any recollection of it, um, but Joe Biden does. He was in the he was in the Senate at the time, and it really undermined any chance Jimmy Carter had for re-election. There were other problems. I mean, he faced Ronald Reagan. You know, th- there was a, a hostage situation around, there are other things going on, but that inflation, it hurts people. Democrats need, it hurts work. It hurts the most vulnerable. It hurts retirees on fixed incomes. It hurts the young people who get priced out of houses. It hurts the working poor. It is, it is essentially a tax and, you know, cause there's no escaping it. And right. the inflation has been highest on, you know, the things people really need the most food, gasoline. So it's a big problem. And I think the American people are going to judge this administration. I don't think they're going to blame him for this, but they're certainly going to, voters are going to evaluate how he responds to it. If they continue to
0: soft soap it, uh, that's a bad, it's probably a bad sign for them. I think they're probably going to blame him for given the policies that he's pursued and hold him accountable because to your point, I don't think they've come up with a good response on it. And they continue to insist that the Build Back Better legislation will will ease inflation over the long term. So whatever. Let's move on to the next story, Carl, uh, that broke last night. Liz Cheney wrote, uh, read uh, some texts from Fox News hosts to Mark Meadows that took place on January 6th from Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Brian Kilmeade, even Don Jr., uh, where they were basically pleading with Meadows to tell Trump to get in front of the cameras and, and you know, tell the crowd, uh, the rioters inside the Capitol to disperse, uh, to stand down, all of that. Uh, this has obviously created a whole bunch of, of commentary and, you know, this morning. What's your take on this? What do you think about it?
1: Well, it, it's Liz Cheney's, her point and I, the Democrats who seized on it is that um, if Fox News is more responsible than the president, um, they've got a problem and, and more and <laughs> and less partisan. So, you know, that's, that's the subtext there. You know, host TV news people are not supposed to be advising White House. Is that, that was, nobody took that away from it, but that's the first thing I noticed because I'm a journalist and I care about journalism more than, more than either political party. But, you know, Trump, President Trump eventually did do that. He went out and made a statement, but it was too little. It was too late. He still called the people heroes or whatever he called them. Uh, This is a, this is the Democrats' and Liz Cheney's attempt to point the, the blame for this this riot at the Capitol. The Democrats and much of the media calls it an insurrection, whatever you call it, to, to blame Trump for it. Uh, he 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 egged on the people that day. He egged them on for a month prior by calling the validity of the election results into question. And then he refused to ask them to stand down. And I, that's, that's where this... Um, Investigation is going. It's being led by Democrats who tried to impeach Trump twice, and in a sense, this is like the third impeachment.
0: And on that note, Carl, do you think the way that uh, this committee is operating, trying to get records as far back as April 2020 from phone carriers and the like, uh, and and you know, reading these private texts into the record to try and embarrass Trump or Fox News hosts or whomever? I mean, this seems to be uh, going a bit beyond. What are you comfortable with? How this how this committee first came to be with Nancy Pelosi rejecting the two Republican members, and are you comfortable with the way they've been conducting themselves uh, thus far?
1: Well, it's a it's because of the makeup of the committee, and I, I blame uh, Pelosi and, and Kevin McCarthy for this. There, it's a partisan exercise, you know. Not only she put House impeachment managers on the on the committee. I mean, she never. It's like she never thought, <laughs> never even entertained the idea that, that the American people need is actually an impartial accounting of how this happened. And you're not going to get that. That doesn't mean though that they haven't turned up things that are embarrassing uh, to the Republicans and and bad for and make Donald Trump look bad. I mean, that's their goal. They're doing some of that. But to your point, Tom you know, privacy is not a subject that even comes up anymore. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm wondering, okay, what what if Kevin McCarthy takes control of the House next, what if the Republicans win the House and Kevin McCarthy's the next speaker? Is he going to subpoena uh, what Jake Tapper and Joy Reid were texting Nancy Pelosi on that day? I mean, where does this end? It, it, it strikes me that private texts, now, under the Presidential Record Act, you know, nothing ever sent by to the president or received by him is a is a is private. But when you're going to people's phone records now, um, where does it end?
0: Not in a good place is my <laughs> <laughs> is what I think. All right. Uh, speaking of that, we will leave it there. I'm Tom Bevin, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics,
1: and I'm Carl Cannon, Washington bureau chief. And this has been the Real Clear Politics takeaway for Tuesday, December fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one. Mm-hmm.